Welcome back to Recap, a podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our social media pages. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, Joshua Hyde. With me today are our data analyst, Alex Trohannon, sometimes host of Recap. And we also have the uh, host of Smart Money or Smart Politics. I almost said Smart Money. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of your podcast? Smart Politics. You had it right. Host of Smart Politics and sometimes writer, <laughs> Anthony Arnold. Do you want to? We, all right, we're just going to keep going. Or we can keep it up. We're doing it live. Um, and and with me today is uh, one of our writers and the host of Smart Politics, Anthony Arnold. How you boys doing today? Good. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah. we're. I, I feel like today is going to, or this, this episode is going to be a lot of, well, today in general, it's going to be a lot of very fun discussion. Um, so let's Beautiful. go ahead and get into it. Without further ado, definitions of words. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> fun. Yes. Yes. I, I I use that intentionally. Now, Alex, let's talk about them trends. Oh, it's it's that time again, guys. Yes, it is. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the sad thing, the COVID thing. Mm. Um, today, to date, uh, the United States has uh, experienced fifty eight million six hundred eighty nine thousand nine hundred and seventy three total cases with seven hundred and ninety one thousand seven hundred and thirty four added this week yeah um uh we've had a total of um four million three hundred and one thousand eight hundred and uh, to like to, um, ongoing cases across the country, and uh, we had a t- we've experienced a total of eight hundred thirty one thousand seven hundred twenty nine deaths, with one thousand nine hundred eighty nine new deaths this week. We are very so. What we are experiencing here is the Omicron surge, and uh, yes, I know. I I, I I know about like three weeks ago, I went on this tirade about like we shouldn't be talking about variants, and it was like. So I'm going to throw some caveats on here. We should not be talking about variants until we have data on them. And then we don't talk about a variant. We just say there's been a new strain. We have identified it. We're labeling it this. Um, This is why it is dangerous. Like This is why we are bringing it up. This is why it's concerning. And we have confirmed that while the vaccines have been largely uh, able to stop the manifest manifesting of the worst symptoms and removing hospitalization, you can still test positive and you can still spread it. One succinct message to the public, not I say, and not you know just inducing panic of we've identified a new strain. Maybe this will be the one that's immune to to the vaccines. Maybe this will be the one to just end it all. So I want to throw some caveats on here. So yes, I would have talked about Omicron. Before this happened, I just wouldn't have you know, would have, would have liked to have not induced the panic before there was reason to panic. Uh, and additionally, um, why? So, uh, so in addition to like the number of cases and like you know like one thousand like one two thousand deaths is like very tra- two thousand de- deaths ever very tragic two thousand deaths over you know the span of a week 
also tragic. But again, like one seventh of a, of not even our high, but like our median in 2020, um, you know, about 2000 people a day. And it's like, so why is this concerning? And uh, the answer is, do you recall way back? in the early days of 2020. We talked about, we're just gonna go into lockdown for two weeks and we're gonna flatten the curve. Everyone remember this? Yeah. Well, do you remember why flattening the curve was important? It wasn't to reduce the number of cases, it was reduce the rate at which cases were filtered into the hospital. So reduce the strain on our local uh, resource health resource system well now we're experiencing or very soon we're going to be experiencing why flattening the curve was important because in my local area every hospital is out of ventilators every hospital in uh, about 50 miles is turning people away they are out of ventilators so you have to just be transported um and you know that's that's not a workable solution. If you need a ventilator, you kind of need it ASAP. Yeah. Uh, additionally, and this is saying this is as is saying as like ventilators, you know, move like the next thing that's going to move are hospital beds. And the when you run out of hospital beds, then things like I mean, just routine, uh, I say routine hospital checkups or you know or routine hospital I'm gonna say emergencies to place things you need to go to the hospital for get pushed back because they can't see you and if they can't see you and you have a I'm gonna say and you have a broken leg and then it gets infected and you die well you didn't die from covid but you died because of covid and like that's this is a reality that we saw in Alabama when their hospitals were overrun and if trends continue, it may be what we see going forward. Just, I mean, even in some of like the biggest hospitals in our area, uh, we're seeing people or we're seeing stories of like people from like the Navy are coming in to help like change uh, conference rooms into like triage centers because there's just so many people mm-hmm. that need anything. And obviously it's disrupting like normal hospital procedures and other things along those lines. And yeah, this is exactly what we were trying to avoid before. And now well, we're going to see why. Yeah, it's the, 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 I was trying to think about, I had to look it up, but the term that they, is, is excess mortality, mm-hmm. which yep. is, that's an important thing that we actually really just nationally haven't discussed really at all. I mean, you occasionally is out there, but I don't think it's a thing people have really thought about um what that means and it's exactly what you guys are referencing which is like this death would not have happened were it not for hospital beds being taken were it not for ventilators being unavailable and while this is not a death due to covid it is a death because of covid and excess mortality is a way to measure that and that number is way up early on in this there was something i don't know if you maybe saw this uh, called the hammer and the dance, something this person had wrote about. And what, what he had said was um, the hammer was when you get a surge, the hammer is what you do to, to, to flatten the curve, to push the surge down. And then the dance is when you have to do this in and out of restricted living. As surges come and go, you have to sort of dance. You have to either be moving in or out. And, and, and the 
I saw it early on and the, the writer was very clear that he didn't think we were going to be able to do the dance part because it would require being really flexible and it would require constantly shifting to new facts on the ground. And he was like, we're probably not going to be able to do this, but this is what you'd have to do, right? So we have a low caseload. We don't have a lot of community spread. Let's open back up a little bit so that we can release some of the tension people naturally feel living in restricted living. And then if we start to get another surge, we kind of dance back in, put the restrictions back on, and we just sort of do this thing until until the thing sort of ends. And we haven't done that. We've sort of taken the all or nothing approach, depending on uh, locality, honestly. And that has created this very bad situation, in my opinion, where we are both unable to stop the spread of the virus and also imposing restrictions on people that are making them very unhappy. We are we are actually getting the worst of both worlds for, for, for some of us. And that's probably never what you wanted. Definitely not. Um, I will say the one potential bit of good news is um, vaccination rates are up on on average. So um, uh, population um, with uh, 65 years, these are American numbers, um, population uh, people 65 years or older with at least one vaccine is 95%. Nice. People 18 years or older, with at least one is 86.2%. Also nice. Population greater than 12 is 84.2. Population greater than five is 78.8. So on average, um, 74.1% of all population. Fully vaccinated. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the numbers, but like the total drops to 62.4. And then booster doses uh, drop down to 35.6. So we're seeing, uh, yeah. you know, um, on average, more people coming around to the to the to the vaccine and working uh, at least you know getting at least one dose, and um, we're seeing you know, about the same number. You know, so thirty five percent is a little over the uh, like the one third of like early adopters of things that we typically see. So so boosters are also catching on. There you thing. go. So good. These are these are good things. Yeah. Reasons to be potentially less. Um, pessimistic. Good. <laughs> I think we need, we all need that a little bit of that right now of non-pessimism. Okay, so if you're not dying of COVID, it's not too late. Go get your get your shot your shot today. Yeah, they're out there. They're available. <laughs> get your vaccine, and then you, you might need to say you might need to uh, like schedule something. Um, but yeah, you know, say local. You know, say your local pharmacy, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart. If you absolutely must, Target, Target, all sorts of places. I recommend your local places first, though. Yeah. Your, uh, you say we have we have Cohen's here. It's been really nice. And uh, those those are the numbers. That's the numbers, Josh. Okay. Our well, old friend, our old nemesis. Well, uh, I don't know if I would have called him a friend, but uh, they're definitely here to stay at least for now until we figure out a way to get him out the door. Um, I, what a hospitable we, host you are. There. <laughs> um, my my family referenced them lovingly as Auntie Rona. Oh God, we never want to see. Yeah. No. No pet names for the for COVID. No, please no. <laughs> a co- but but COVID is is a pet name. Actually, yes, yes, it is. That's true. Okay. Thank you, Mister. I am it's right the on no- it's, like, it's the novel <laughs> SARS coronavirus. 
anyway, 19. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and get into the poll today, which is in some way related to these trends. Let's talk about it. Anyway. Yeah. So, as always, our poll appears on our social media pages every Friday. Um, we really like to see people respond. Uh, and it's good to read about them, read them, because we always discuss them on our show. So, the poll this episode is from our most recent poll. Should parents have the option of withdrawing their kids from school without threat of punishment and with the option of re-enrolling their children at the same grade after the pandemic if schools go virtual again? What follows is some sort of specific examples and some sort of quotes from people um, with varying opinions on this, but you know, it's, a, it's a rather you know, large block. Um, I trust you guys have read it, but I'll just skip to the, you know, what are your thoughts? Again, the question is, should parents have the option of withdrawing their kids from school without threat of punishment and with the option of re-enrolling their children at the same grade after the pandemic if schools go virtual again? I will cop. I'll start off. I'll cop. I, I am the, the guy in the question. Uh, Francine changed the name uh, in case I didn't want it to be known that it was me, but it is me. I have been very frustrated by this. Uh, everyone should know by now, unless this is their first episode. Uh, I am a parent. I have three kids. I did watch our kids fall behind for a year and a half. Um, the primary point of the argument to me is that virtual learning isn't working. Um, it's not due to lack of effort. It's not because teachers are lazy or because they don't care. That I'm not one of those people. I love teachers. As mentioned in a poll, I'm married to an educator. Um, but it's just not working. My kids did just fall behind. They got worse grades than they've ever gotten. And when they got back to physical school, they spent weeks trying to catch up, um, which led to struggles for both of them. Uh, my daughter in French and science, my, uh, my son in math really, you know, was behind. And when we did like back to school stuff, it was clear that the school district just didn't have a plan for like how to juggle if kids had to sit out they really didn't have a plan your kids would just fall behind 10 days two weeks depending on how long they were out so i would like the option of just withdrawing them because i don't i don't think we can ask young people to bear all the weight for everybody else's failures because they're actually the most powerless people in all of these scenarios, kids can't vote. They don't have economic power. They are just at the mercy of whatever adults decide. And for a year and a half, we just asked them to bear everybody else's weight. Then we saw the reports and we said, virtual schooling isn't working. We said, it's especially bad for black and brown kids. Well, if it's especially bad for those kids, then maybe we should consider not, not asking them to do it again. And at least giving parents the option. Say, look, if my kids are home, no matter what, I'm already screwed. Like if you're sending my kids home, I'm already just SOL. At least give me the option of like not having them fall behind educationally because, you know, something Alex, you and I talked about in previous discussions is you're going to test them. You're going to measure them based on material they should have learned, knowing we now know that they didn't learn it. And that just seems inherently unfair. And I would, I would at least like to have the option of sparing my kids, sparing my kids from that. I can't protect them from everything. I would at least like to try to help them not fall behind educationally. So 
those are my thoughts. Again, these aren't, this isn't a shot at teachers. Everyone's working very hard to deal with an evolving and complex situation on the ground. Teachers want to be safe. I get that. I want my kids to have an education. We all, we all want things. So, yeah. So, uh, fellas, thoughts on the poll question? I think I'll go ahead and take it. Uh, yeah. After that. So, my, my thoughts on the nature of school and COVID are kind of complex because on one hand, I recognize that virtual, as you mentioned, virtual doesn't work the same way that in-person classes do. Uh, there are lots of inherent challenges behind trying to teach behind a screen. Um, no questions about that. We have the data, we, we understand. Um, my personal concern is I don't think that in-person school, before I say what I'm about to say, I just realized that I would be detracting and not answering your question. Um, so for the purposes of answering the poll question, yes, I do believe parents should have the ability to um, unenroll their children if they feel as though that's what they'd like to do um, without penalty or anything else along those lines. I feel like right now, this is very difficult for anyone to navigate, especially parents who are, as you said, trying to give, make, trying to ensure that their children have education. I don't see a world in where not allowing that to happen is going to be beneficial for anyone involved. So yeah. my answer is yes, I do believe parents should be able to unenroll their children, but I have a lot more to say about that, which we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. And for, and I, before we go to you, Alex, I just, I, I'll have more as well, but I also want to make it explicit like there are things like truancy laws that like kick in if your kids aren't in school and right. when i say when we say like punishment i'm also thinking like explicit like like truancy is a thing parents should just not be charged with if you have chosen to withdraw your kids that's like again just i just want to make it explicit for people if they didn't know yeah that uh there are formal legal consequences typically to what we're suggesting and you know so alex we're gonna uh, talk I, about we're gonna talk about the I'm whole thing very like, don't worry I know. I, I just I have very complicated feelings about all of this. Um uh and I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sidestep the question a little bit. That's that's just the way this is gonna work. Um and that is I just have uh I have some condemning thoughts on um the people I say on I say on governors and uh government officials who um keep wanting to pretend like this is normal and this is business as usual and yeah um we're gonna keep i say we're gonna keep testing people and hold and hold three testing students and holding students to the same standards um like they're not experiencing a uh, a trauma um uh hitherto unseen in a century yeah but given those i mean given that reality i'm gonna i'm gonna you know put the fire to you a little bit <laughs> should parents be given the option of withdrawing their kids from school if the schools decide to go virtual and restarting in the same grade whenever they decide to, you know, like permanently go back to physical school. Here, and I say, um, I'm going to, I'm going to skip a few steps uh, of our previous conversation. And I'm going to yeah. just jump to the conclusion. Um, parents, if you say, if you have some time off, uh, you should uh, go to your. Uh, you should. Well, you should go to all the school board meetings, and you should be. Um, you should be fighting with uh, the administrators about what about what is going on, um, and how they're just trying to brush all of this under the rug, and how you know your student safety is just not 
really their concern. And uh, and if uh, saying if they continue to ignore you, then I suggest you ask eventually your governor. And if you don't have anything else to do, you should sit outside the governor's office and you should throw rocks. <laughs> sidestepping, still sidestepping. Yep. That's okay because we're gonna he get said, into he more. He said he was gonna. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So those are our answers. I, I mean, I know we're gonna cover more of this, so I'm happy we kept this sort of focused on the question itself because obviously we all have more complex thoughts on this i know josh you're going to do a great job of getting it out of this um but that's the poll question for this week like i said every friday they drop on social media we like it when you respond we like to know what you guys are thinking we like to interact with you in the comment section so please go to our site check out our personal pages where we share our polls and uh let us know let us know what you think so all right man that's okay. the poll take us take us so away let's 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 go ahead and dig into this a little bit but before we do i have a kind of going off of the poll i have a couple of additional questions i think i know how you would feel about this anthony but i i still want to know your your answer to this question that i'm about to ask you so given all of the struggles of in-person school how do you feel about all schools becoming virtual only until covid is more under control and in-person school is much safer than it is now so so this is funny i would have preferred that over this i had told alex when we talked earlier uh this week that by the time the year and a half of virtual schooling had ended they had worked up to like 70 75 percent acceptability in terms of delivering what it would normally be it was probably around 70 you know the days had gotten longer. The education had gotten a little more complex. When virtual schooling first started, it was like 30%. Like yeah. kids were just sitting around doing, my kids were around doing nothing, just all day, nothing. By the time we ended, they had figured some stuff out. They had had the summer to think about it and they had figured it out. If they had kept going down that road, I'm guessing that by now they would have been at like 85% and we would maybe be delivering an acceptable level of virtual schooling. That would have been preferable to this thing where we close down, we open up, and then we're going to close down for a week or two, or we're going to do what we do in Chicago, which is we're just shutting down literally like the day before parents found out, hey, you have nothing to do with your kids for the indefinite future. Imagine being a parent who found out Tuesday night. You don't, not only do you not know what to do with your kids, you don't even know when you'll be told you don't even know when it'll end. You have to plan for the indefinite future. I would just prefer you just tell me it's virtual then instead of doing this. Just tell me it's virtual and, and, and leave it at that. So yeah, I would have preferred we just do one consistent thing and try to be as best we can at that thing, knowing it has shortcomings, but we're going to maximize virtual, right? If they had spent the entire last summer saying, look, we're still doing virtual in the fall, I think they would have really been operating at a, at a pretty acceptable capacity now. But they can't go back. One of the articles I posted in our chat is that in Detroit, they had to close schools because they had taken the laptops back. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it wasn't that they didn't want to do virtual. They literally couldn't. Like you would have just been better letting them keep the laptops and do virtual the whole time. So as you took the laptops back, now they get nothing. They have no physical and no virtual. Well, that's just the worst of everything. And you can't even tell them when it'll be fixed. So... My kind of long-winded answer, but yeah, I would have preferred they had just stuck with virtual. And if they're going to do virtual, if they're considering doing it, do it this entire semester. Just say we're doing it until summer. We're going to do the best we can. We're doing it until summer. We're not going to do this thing because there could be new, there could, we're not supposed to talk about variants, but Alex and I know 
There could be new variants. There could be a new strain that emerges late in the school year. And then what are you going to do? Do it again at the end of the school year, shut down for two weeks? Alex, you seem to have a lot of thoughts. Always. Always. <laughs> you, you were giving me the I really want to talk face. So. Uh, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I don't say go, go ahead and make your, make your next point. We're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're not even going to answer. I mean, what do you think, Alex? I mean, do you think they would be better just sort of sticking with the path as opposed to like trying to split the baby and, and getting doing neither satisfactorily? And I say this as someone who acknowledges virtual has real shortcomings. I would prefer they have just stuck with it and trying to, instead of trying to split the baby. I think that um, I'm a believer in opportunities. And given, uh, say, and uh, COVID was actually an opportunity. This I say, uh, science has come along. I'm sorry, school, the, the modern school system, system that we've been using, uh, is now uh, two centuries old. And we've done science, and we know we have better understanding of how people learn and how children's brains work. And this was an oppor- this is an opportunity. The system doesn't like the system is broken. Not like not by any internal factor, but like by external factors completely beyond everyone's control. This is a perfect opportunity to use the science that we know and fix it and address the whole thing. So let's say it's too dangerous to um, to have one person sit in front of 30 children and have 30 children interact each other like with each other all of the time. It's too dangerous. All, all right, great. Well, if it's too, if, if, the, if the old system doesn't work, let's form an alternative that we can make work. So if one person in front of 30 students um, is, is too much and say it's too much of a risk, well, we could just do, what about one, one to 10, one to eight? And those students, and like those eight students just like form a pot. And it's like, well, those eight students are only ever interacting with these four, or say, with each other and these four teachers. Great. Can we just do that? Just like, we'll just say, uh, we can re- so we'll repurpose the school. We'll do- say, we'll, um, most schools are already like divided into like pods for like, just for like, just like, High schools, like, oh, all the English places are in one place. All the science places are in one place. Like, that just, that makes sense. Or elementary schools or middle schools, it's like the sixth grade things are here, the fourth grade things are here, the second grade things are, you've already subdivided your your building. You could just further subdivide it and just been like, and repurpose it and be like, hey, this is the new model. Because it's one, what, say, what we know works best for everyone involved. And two, we can make it work with COVID restrictions. This was an opportunity uh, and no one, re- say, um, our system is incapable of like reimagination because the people in, uh, who like run it are invested in like this current model um, despite all of the obvious shortcomings of it. And um, we, uh, say we as parents, we as society, we as people who members of a community shouldn't accept that. This school is a edu- public education is one of the best is like the best thing our society has ever come up with. Our children are the most important resource that we have. And we've just let that go to hell. And you should be pissed about it. You, you should, should throw rocks at it. 
You should throw sorry, you should throw rocks about it. <laughs> and that's me, yes. What's what's actually really interesting was um my next question on that same matter was is do you believe that there is a way to keep schools operating in person uh with current COVID restrictions? And that's a perfect example of a way that would be a lot safer uh than the current system would be. Um so I guess I can go ahead and lean into that question, Anthony. Uh, yeah. Aside from what Alex just said, or maybe if you just agree with that in general, do you think there is a way uh, with the with the current way that the system operates? Do you think there is a way to adjust it in a way to make it safe for students and teachers with the current COVID rest? What are we defining as safe? Like people getting people getting it, or people? Because my answer is going to be uh, uh, vaccine mandates on teachers. I mean, if you want to be safe, if you want to teach, what I need is the teachers need to all be vaccinated and boosted because the science shows that that does not stop you from getting this new strain, but it does stop you from getting sick. It does stop you from going to the hospital and needing a ventilator and and taking up a hospital bed. I mean, if you want to teach safely, you should get vaccinated and boosted. That's, That's the way. That's the only way. We don't have enough, Alex and I discussed this, we don't have enough teachers to reduce class size at this moment. We just don't have enough teachers to go around. It's not a workforce where we have a ton of slack. It's not like we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of teachers just sitting around unemployed with nothing to do. Well, but we, we kind of do. Um, if you've pay, if you've watched um, uh, education news around education, yeah. you would know that teachers have been leaving the industry um for there are lots of people who have teaching degrees or have the qualifications to teach and just don't because it's not profitable it's just right. not profit it's not a profitable acquisition like but those people are are probably working somewhere else they're probably they're, not just unemployed but that's yes but so you can like, attract them back but they're not like easily available right now you can't like call them tomorrow and have them come to the school is what i'm saying they could be perhaps enticed back but they're not readily available So if you want to teach, if you want to keep in-person schooling open, then yeah, get vaccinated and get boosted. That's the only way to do it safely. And I, and I don't deny this in the discussion that I do not think there is currently given the lack of mandates, given the lack of vaccine and booster uptake, there's probably, as Francine just put in the chat, people are quitting due to mandates, which I'll be blunt here. I don't know what to tell you as a teacher if you both do not want a mandate to make you get vaccinated and also don't want to teach because the school isn't safe, then I, as a parent, am just going to be pissed. So you and don't want to make rocks. You, you don't want to make yourself safe. And then you want to complain when the school isn't safe. Huh? I found that Again, don't same. ask my kids to eat shit. <laughs> don't piss on me and tell me it's rain. I, I found the same <laughs> weird pseudo hypocrisy in the the healthcare field as well like there are lots of doctors quitting because they would also be forced to have the vaccine and i'm like if you're a doctor though <laughs> like right. i don't understand like is right. that not part of how you would want to protect your patients just like how as a right. teacher you would want to protect your students i don't right. quite understand the difference there right. um but that my my answer is actually to just make everything virtual in my personal opinion when we had determined that like being in school wasn't safe and 
we decided to make virtual like the option, I feel like we should have just leaned super heavily into that and just did that until we found a better way to make the school system work. Because I don't think, as Alex said, the current system with the way that it's designed and the archaic nature of it is ever going to be safe while we're still dealing with COVID. So we either need to get rid of COVID or change the system. In my mind, both. But either way, like one of those has to give, you can't do both. And that's only just going to make more people sick and make more people die. Um, and I've, now, we've already talked about like how, because of things like schools, like community spread is basically impossible to stop, uh, especially if kids are getting it and they're taking it home and then their parents are taking it to their jobs and like a bunch of other stuff. So like my whole now, answer to this, oh, go ahead. Well, one thing that makes that tricky, and this is not to cast, I don't want to give bad motives to anybody, but I do want to point out, if we reach a situation where virtual was delivering the same quality as physicals. Do we need physical schools? Right. And teachers should be really, <laughs> teachers should be really careful about this because virtual costs a lot fewer resources to run for the community, like who pays the tax dollars. That's right? actually I mean, not true. I mean, well, it's like you don't need the physical building. No, I mean, no, you need high speed internet. Uh, but but I mean, again, you should be careful before you you like reimagine this model that would probably lead to a worse. You say you, you, say you need less high, jobs for you. You need I say you need high speed. It's you need high speed internet. You need uh you need subscriptions to services. Uh, School, you need, schools already have to do all those things just as the no, but they, did, they clearly didn't look look at detroit they gave back they they let they rented a bunch of laptops to do virtual and then gave them back and canceled their subscriptions that's the problem but i would this say that's because they went back to physical and i'm saying in a world where they were able to deliver full education services virtual you would see some people push to like why not turn that high school into something that like you can hear it in your head, right? Turn that property into something that makes money for the community. Why don't we turn the local high school into a strip mall? Like, cause that doesn't or, make money for the community or an apartment building. Like people that doesn't would call make money for the community. People would that call makes it money. You make you say it makes money for private entities. No one makes money for the community, your local high school team and their football matches. That's what makes money for your community. Get out of here. <laughs> And so, I am pointing out that if put if your you, capitalist bullshit if you deliver if you deliver in the full bin, services via, if you deliver full services via virtual, you will see some people ask the next question, which is why do we have physical schools? And that is not a question that educators should want people to have on their minds. You see, but like my only my only pushback to that is like you still need people to teach virtually anyway. Like I'm confused as to where the teachers would go in this scenario. They would just be teaching from either their homes or wherever they were teaching virtually anyway. Like yeah, the need for the just... teachers is still there. Just the need for like in this perfect scenario that you're saying, the need for the building is really yeah. the only thing that changes. They would ask them to teach from their homes as a no. Say we would say they would ask them to you you. We expect you to buy a whiteboard and we expect you to have so yes. you know, your room to be, yeah. Correct. They um, would ask them to teach from their homes and they would ask them to turn their rooms into home offices. That's like, yep. as crazy that, as that, what they that's, would do. that is exactly what they would do. I mean, many, many people <laughs> who work virtually already have that. Like that, that's a, that's generally a, a, one of the major ways that the workforce has changed since COVID. 
Yeah. So why why not apply that to the realm of teaching? Because you have to believe that the physical part of being in school matters a lot and that that is an overriding thing because of things like social interactions that kids need. But again, if if virtual- It's also less strain on parents. Correct. If virtual was able to deliver, people would ask the question, which is why do we have physical schooling? And, um, and in my note, mind, the answer to that would note, be the fact that the, the physical nature of school is important. Yes, like, and I say, and as a note, the science will tell you you can't. And um, or alternatively, if you do, it's because you dropped the standards. And the problem there becomes, but there the the other issue there is if you acknowledge that physical schooling is uniquely important, you then have to lead back to the original question, then which is should we prioritize it over safety? No. You prioritize both, like what I suggest. <laughs> but you can't. We don't have the resources. This is what we you, talked about in our discussion. We don't have. That's, the but that's not true. Both. You do have the resources. We don't have the ability. Just, I don't think. No, we do. you're just not allocating them. That's on. Let's say that's on. That's on governors. That's on. Say that's on presidents. That's on. That's on townships. You can't tell me. You cannot tell me in the most in the richest country in the world where we have. We have a half dozen people competing to become quadrillionaires. That you can't afford this. That's bullshit. You're resources lying. aren't resources aren't just money. Resources are also things like knowledge. We don't have Those the are, knowledge to deliver it right now. We we certainly we do. No, we have, giving a so giving a convert giving a lecture in person is fundamentally different. It's not as if you can just copy the same lecture and do it over camera. It's actually a fundamental, fundamentally different way of teaching. Teachers have Sorry. been trained to teach in classrooms. Correct. Not in I'm front of cameras. They correct. don't have the knowledge right now. I will recall, you will recall, my argument was to just make smaller class sizes with, with, with teacher pods. Like uh, hire uh, more teachers, hire a bunch more teachers. You have them available to you. Where the, say you have at your disposal, the most educated workforce in human history. Yes. If you're telling me you can't make this work, I don't know. Get fucked. There are, like, not, not even including all the people who actually went to school to educate, there are several, several programs that I haven't necessarily been a part of but have watched people go through that take you from literally nothing to teaching in a classroom in record time. Like, it's, it is not actually... In my opinion, so far as I've seen, I wouldn't actually say it's all that difficult to become a teacher in the current Do you, in most states. Yeah. Have you ever checked up on the sort of quality of service those uh, quick teach programs provide? Yes, I have. And I'm not going to pretend that it's great, but it gets people in the door and then they can and learn from there. Those are programs that struggle teaching people to teach in a classroom and they struggle to do that. They're, those programs aren't equipped to teach people how to teach virtually. We we're know from doing this. We're even not talking te about teaching virtually. The people, it, it, they, the, the, the issue with teaching in class is not the size of the class. That's not, it's not even true. The, teacher, the reason teachers are going on strike is not because they're worried about class size. I don't think they want to teach small pods of kids either. Uh, no, I, I disagree. I entirely disagree. So you think if they had smaller class sizes, what's happening in Chicago wouldn't be happening? That the teachers union wouldn't be going on strike? Yeah, I, I say I think if this, I think if the administrators in Chicago put the uh, put the safety of their teachers 
uh, their staff and their students first, they wouldn't be striking. Yeah, I blame the administrators, Anthony. Your right. inco- say your incompetence put you in this situation. <laughs> you malcontents. So, malcontents. I don't think even smaller class sizes would convince people that it was safe to do so. Let's ask let's ask the teachers union. Because again, let's ask them what their we, members say. They don't want mandates on their members. They're not prioritizing safety. That's what Francine put in the chat. The idea that they are prioritizing safety is a, is a lie because they don't want mandates. You cannot okay. say you are prioritizing safety of your staff and your kids when you don't want a mandate. So you can't right. have it both ways. No, you can't. If hang, you hang don't on. want, if you don't want a mandate for your staff to protect your kids, you don't get to say you are safety focused. No, you're not. No, you're and, and, not. And you're right. In in that in that line of logic, you are right. However, I think right now we're dealing with this idea that we know what teachers want when we're listening to a very small majority of them. Because in my mind, um, based on the people that I know of who are teachers and all the friends that they've told me they've talked to who are teachers, they all want the same thing, which is safety. And they they want things like, you know, mandates, protections, things for kids. So I think right now, one one thing that may be happening as we are discussing this problem, is that we are not playing with the full deck of cards. There are a few people that we probably need to listen to that haven't been listened to right now. And in this scenario, it's really hard to form an effective solution, in my mind, without talking to everyone involved. Because, like I said before, I think what, what you're responding to, Anthony, is... Yes, there are several teachers who are leaving because of mandates. However, I also know of several teachers who would want mandates, who want those things, those protections in place. I, I have, I can't speak for administrators because I don't know very many school administrators myself, not being in one. But at the same time, there is a very big difference between what the teachers want and what we are told they want. I say, I... Uh... I agree with Josh entirely. So our local school um, administration was having was talking about um, they might have to go virtual next week if they lose one more bus driver. One bus driver. I'll say if they quit, if they get sick, the whole the the whole county, like the whole school system, goes virtual because they can't just like they can't transport children, um, kids. It's like, well, why are bus drivers uh, quitting? It's like, well. Um, because you told them they were heroes, and uh, then you told them to eat shit. You t- you say you s- you were feeding them shit. You told them they were heroes, and, and then you told them to eat more. What I said to you earlier this week, I'll say it again. From the beginning, we told parents and kids to eat shit. We told them that for a year and a half straight. And when parents like myself got pissed. And said, we are sick and tired of being told to eat shit. No one gave a damn. And when we said, our kids are not doing all right. No one gave a damn. They just, they said, well, we have other priorities. That's fine. You're allowed to prioritize whatever you want. Now, I can't force you to prioritize my concerns or my kids' education or my kids' social needs. You don't have to prioritize those things. 
But when you don't, there will be a backlash. There will be uh, there will be a response from those of us who have been getting kicked on. And so what I said is, look, if I kick you and you think it's not your fault, then you should kick the person above the food chain and we should just keep kicking and everyone should just get pissed until we find the person who has power. I told you, Alex, kids have no power. Parents have some power. Teachers unions have more power. So if the teachers unions want to take it up with the administrators, they have to do that. But you can't just ask parents and kids to suffer in the meantime. That's not right either. And as Francine pointed out, special needs kids who suffer the most. Our oldest is special needs. She doesn't go to a township school. Earlier, so to give you insight to my personal life, earlier this week, our daughters had an autistic morning. Just a morning where it all went, it all went pear-shaped. Cussing, screaming, attacking, everything. She wasn't able to go to school that day. But I had thought, imagine being a parent in Chicago with a special needs kid like mine. You find out Tuesday night, you have nowhere to send your special needs kid to Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or any time in the foreseeable future. I guess you're just not going to work. There is no alternative. There is no leave my special needs kid at home. There's no child care. They're all turned. You just found out Tuesday night you can't go to work for the foreseeable future. I don't and know. yeah, <laughs> if you're going to ask parents to carry that weight, then you don't get to be shocked when they get pissed. You don't get Ooh. to play both. You have to acknowledge that they are going to be furious and that you're not going to be able to talk them down. You're not going to be able to just make them feel better. They are rightfully angry at you and everybody else. And you will recall, I began this message by saying you should go to your mayor's office and you should throw rocks. And as that I was my opening you, salvo. <laughs> and as I told you when we discussed it, mayors don't take phone calls from parents. They don't respond to emails and they don't care when we show up at their offices. But you know who does have power with the mayor? The teachers union. That's why uh, the teachers union has to war on behalf of kids, teachers, and also parents. They are. They have to, but shutting that's down schools, shutting down, shutting down schools that's that, that, is, that is, fair. is shutting down schools is so, so bad for parents. Like I cannot emphasize enough how incredibly disruptive it is and how emotionally upsetting it is to watch your kids struggle, to just watch them struggle. It is so emotionally upsetting. It is so anguishing to watch your kids suffer and know there's nothing you can do that someone above you has decided this is the way things will be and you can't stop it and so yeah parents are pissed i'm pissed and, and you should go to your mayor and you should throw rocks or you should go to his teachers say, union say, and get them say, to throw rocks on his behalf correct which is what i said when we talked earlier this week that look i'm gonna punch up and when i punch up the closest target are the teachers. It's not necessarily your fault, but you're the ones within my arm's reach. And if you think I'm punching you unjustly, then you should punch the person closest to you. That, that's not, that's, that's not, not how that's that's this works, Anthony. No, no, it, no. If you, I, put if pressure, you want to, I put pressure on you and then you take that pressure up the ladder. That's not how humans work, Anthony. If I punch you, are you going to punch Josh? No, you're going to punch me. But we all have Don't but punch this, me. This is, but this Let's is a situation where Josh. this would be a situation where I was on the bottom and Josh was the president and Alex was the go-between. You're the go-between, oh, and I'm on the bottom, and Josh is on the top. And I can't get to Josh, but I can get to you. Yeah. And if so you think I'm being unfair to, to Josh, you, but that's what I'm saying. 
I'm calling a timeout. I'm calling a timeout. I'm calling a timeout. I'm calling a timeout. So uh, there's a there's a fundamental misunderstanding happening here that I would like to clear up before we before we we end this because we're we're already running over. So Anthony, yeah, we understand that you need someone to punch. We get that. We're not saying that that's wrong in any way, shape, or form. The problem is. Who you want to punch is not the correct target. So in your example, if I'm the one who needs to be punched and your go-between is Alex, you punching Alex makes Alex punch you back. What you then need to do is get with Alex to both punch me. Except- But you punching <laughs> Alex is the problem. Except- Yes, actually. Except that is not a strategy that works. That is that is the only strategy that ever no, worked. Historically, yes. that is a strategy that has never worked. Like, no, not in the, historically, like, that, is that is not is a strategy. Only strategy that has no. ever worked. Guys, guys, this wasn't no. up for discussion. <laughs> uh, uh, so I just want to point out though that like the people say, responsible don't don't listen to parents. They will not return our calls. They will not care when we show up. Then they, stop. We, then stop calling them and go to their office and throw they, rock. They don't care. They care about people who have power over them. You have enough people show up and throw rocks and disrupt their office every day. They will care. Or you and know, then you when part, or, then, say, or you burn, say, or you burn the office to the ground. And then it makes when no you difference do that, to me. And then when you do that, they call the FBI on you. Good, do it. And okay. then you go to jail, and they tell okay. you that you're a terrorist. Okay. Go to war if, with your kids. Hang on, guys. Do it. If, if, you, I if, dare you. Want, if you want to continue this argument, you're gonna have to go ahead and do it offline because I gotta wrap up now. So, <laughs> even though we didn't talk about all the things I wanted to, this podcast has been brought to you in part by Elyak Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook page for more podcasts and articles like the one we discussed today. Thank you guys for joining me today. I know it got a little heated, but we we, we made it work. Thank you guys for thank you guys at home for listening, and we will see you next time. Josh out.